Bless the name of the Lord. Open your Bibles with me, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Worship your Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12. We'll begin there. When you got it, say so. And it says, And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak. Be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for you, for, both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, test all things, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Lord, thank you for your word today. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your goodness and your kindness toward us. And Lord, we just pray that your spirit would continue to move in our hearts, God, right now. We ask you that you would speak to us, Lord, directly, that you would give us ears to hear. And Lord God, that we would be obedient respondents to your word. I pray that we would be active in our response to you, Lord God. I Pray that you would be glorified in the lives of each and every person here today in the preaching of your word, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' good name. And everyone said, Amen. you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you don't have an outline, please raise your hand and just hold it up, and the ushers will get you an outline here today. As always, as I remind you, just keep it up until they get it to you. I want to make sure everybody gets an outline. I want to make sure that you have that so you can follow along with me in the intro of the sermon. Um, you can also answer the questions that are in the outline, which is very important for you to be able to reflect, for you to be able to answer those questions and think about what it is that the Lord is speaking to you and not just that, but how you are going to respond. And then thirdly, as I always encourage, this is also a tool that you can utilize to help someone else grow in their faith. It is very important to me that we be a disciple-making church, that we, are in, that we are intentional about making disciples, that we're intentional about helping others grow in the faith. And the only way that that is going to happen is if we are practicing that. And so I want you to think about that. I've asked this question a couple of times. If there is no one in your life that you are helping to grow in their faith, then you really need to ask the Lord, who is it that he's placed there? Because I guarantee you that there is someone in your life that he has there that he wants you to help them grow in their, grow in their faith. And so I ask you to use these outlines as that, as that source. You know, a lot of times we don't know how to uh, minister to someone or how to help someone grow in their faith, but you have the outline that's right there with some questions you can go through with them and you, you know, you should take some notes for yourself and then you can help someone grow. So I highly encourage that. Um, so we're here continuing in our end time encouragement series and we are in, we're, we're almost at the end of First Thessalonians and so we have one more message in 1 Thessalonians, and then we'll move on to 2 Thessalonians, and we'll walk through that as well. And today we're going to talk, the message is entitled, God Honoring. And if you look at your outline here, God created us to be a people of honor. 
We were originally created in his imago Dei or the image of God, right? The image of God. And as his image bearers, we are to be God honoring in all areas of our lives. And so when we think about this, God creates us as a people who bear his image. And the one thing that we're supposed to do is that as we were in worship this morning and we began to sing, I, just, I felt the presence of God in such a special way. As soon as, we, it's, I mean, it was, it was here throughout, but as soon as we started to sing that hallelujah chorus, there was something special in the atmosphere there. And why is that? Well, you know, you often hear, but it's because it is the highest praise, right? It is that hallowing of who God is. It is the honoring of God's presence, of God's person. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to honor God, our, our lives, you know, should be a hallelujah unto him, right? That's what our lives should be. We should be singing hallelujah in everything that we do. In our conversation, this will help you out, in our conversations with people, we should be thinking, does this conversation, does my tone, are the words that I'm using declare hallelujah unto God? When we think about our attitudes that we have with people, I want you to think about that. Does my attitude declare hallelujah to God or does my attitude declare something else? Come on, somebody. I mean, I, I know me, like I'm dry, like I'll just give you an example. There are some times that I'm driving down the road and I was in a hallelujah moment and then suddenly something happens, glory to God, which takes me out of that moment of intimate communion with the Lord into a place where I need to repent before God. And I'm not, you know, throwing fingers and dropping F-bombs or anything like that. And, that, and, and can I say something? That doesn't make me any less of the sinner than the person who's dropping F-bombs and flicking someone off. Hello, somebody. Because my thoughts, right, my thoughts, my, 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 and my impatience and, and those things, and I come back to myself and I'm like, God, I'm sorry. And so the thing is, when we think of that, right, living a life that says hallelujah to God, that's what it means to be a person who is God-honoring in every area of our lives. Living a life that brings glory to him. Living a life that honors him. And so we think about this. So as the Apostle Paul, second paragraph here, as the Apostle Paul brings the letter to a, to a close, he seems to throw in a bunch of exhortations. And, 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 and it's almost like they're just thrown in there. Like he just didn't know what else to write. So he just started writing one-liners and stuff like that. But the reality is what he wanted to do was he was trying the heart behind this is to have the church honor God in their conduct with respect to leadership, to one another, and to God himself. So that was the reason why Paul writes this at the end. Remember, he starts off encouraging this church because of who they are and how they've been, and then he moves on to the place where he, called, he, where he calls them to action, to holy living, to living righteous, and then he comes to this place when he's closing up the letter, and he begins to throw in these exhortations to teach us how to honor. Last paragraph here, the church that strives to honor God in all areas directly confronts its own selfishness and pride, eh? Amen, somebody. And in doing so, it witness, it, its witness to the world becomes more effective as the world sees the church caring more for each other than for themselves individually. See, what happens is when we walk around in our, in our selfishness, when we walk around in our pride and we're not worried about honoring one another and we're not worried about being concerned or caring about one another, as, as Pastor Aldo was sharing the exhortation um, and he was talking about, you know, Mickey Mouse and Mighty Mouse. And he was talking about that friend that you could call up. And, and, and they changed the situation. You know, sometimes you don't necessarily have the answer, but you have an ear, somebody. Hello. You have an ear that you can hear, that you can listen. You have a shoulder that someone can cry on. You can be a person who really doesn't just say the, you know, typical phrase, you know, the Christianese, I'm praying for you. 
but you can actually be that person that is praying for someone, that person who really does take the time out to lift someone up in prayer, to pray for that person that is going through those difficulties, those difficult situations that they're facing. See, it's important for us to confront our selfishness, to confront our own pride, so that way when the world looks at us, we're not just a bunch of prideful, arrogant people that only care about our own selves and our own blessing. Hello. But that we are a people that care about others. And so the big idea that I have for you this morning is this. It is God-honoring lives are the product of values derived from God's perspective. I'll say that again. God-honoring lives are the product of values derived from God's perspective. And so if you and I are going to be the type of people who live God-honoring lives, then our values have to come from the perspective of God, and that is found in the Word of God. If we are going to honor other people, if we're going to honor them the way that God calls us to, then we have to gain value from the Scripture. We have to look at people from the lens of Scripture. We have to look at everyone in our culture through the lens of Scripture. Hello? In a day and age where honor is not a cool thing, right? You know, people don't want to honor, you know, people don't want to respect. It's it's a day that we see more disrespect than I've ever known of. I know when I was growing up, man, let me tell you something. I think my lips are a little bit bigger than what they should be. Because I had a big mouth and there was a bunch of slaps that I got because I needed to shut up. Hello, somebody. You know, nowadays we just want to, we, we, we're the timeout generation, right? We just put everyone in timeout. Listen, I got a quick timeout. Like, it made me think, Hello. Think about the next time you're going to open your mouth. I'm just saying, right, if we, and and I'm not listening, and I'm not advocating child abuse. Hello, somebody, right? I'm not saying that, but but, but what what, what I am saying is that I do advocate. I like that. I I like that. I heard heard a a cocotazo. I like that, right? I'm advocating that that we raise our children in in a way that is God-honoring, right? And so, and and, and what I do know is that discipline is important, right? There's some, listen, straight up, there's some children, you need need to know your children, right? Some children, you can just look at them and they cry. Hello. And not that fake cry, because, you know, my son, he's he's getting to the point where he knows, like, when he's about to get it, so he just automatically puts his head down and he starts crying. I'm like, boy, you need to stop right now. See, when I was growing up, right, my mom was like, you want a reason to cry? Y'all remember that. See, y'all remember that, right? Yeah, yeah. you don't hear about that now. You want a reason to cry. Ask my son, you know, some of the guys that I talked to, I was telling them with my son sometimes, I ask him, like, to get it, papa. Right? So for you, you know, they don't, don't speak Spanish. You want, you want pow-pow. You want, you know, a spanking, right? So they call me the pow-pow guy. So anyway, <laughs> you know, my wife is always like, do you think he's ever going to say yes? And I'm like, no, I don't. But I hope that he understands what I'm saying. If you keep on going in the direction you are, you're going to run into some pow-pow. Hello, somebody. <laughs> right? But what does that do? That teaches, you know, that I, I'm going to say this like this. Some of y'all may, may disagree. But that teaches the fear of something. Hello, right? That teaches the fear of consequence, right? Not necessarily, not necessarily the fear of the Lord, but it teaches fear of consequence. And you, and, and you teach your children. And it doesn't just stay there because there's going to come a point that my son's going to be bigger than me. And I can't be like, you want pow pow? He's going to be like, dad, you want pow pow? I'm going to be like, yeah, we're going to have to do it. But anyway, 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 I, I'm going to let him know. I don't care how big you are, boy. We're going to get down. But anyway, I'm just saying that's not going to get to that place. But here's the thing. I'm trying, I'm trying to move through this thing about the values that we have. We don't live in a culture that is big on honor. You know, one, one, one of my favorite, one, one, I can't, can't remember the name of the title of the movie, but um, 
This is what y'all said to do, The Last Samurai. How many of y'all seen that movie, The Last Samurai, right? See, guys, you like that movie, right? Like, that's a guy's movie. Like, ladies are like, nah, I want to see that. You know, I'm just these guys killing each other and stuff. But you know what? How, how, I mean, seriously, The Last Samurai, guys, can I just ask you, how many of y'all might have cried in that movie? Maybe? A little bit? Little, amen? See, none, you see, three guys. Three guys were honest. The rest of y'all are lying, and you lie about other things, too. But anyway. <laughs> Ain't no guy watching that movie and didn't cry. I'm just saying something happened to you emotionally. The point is the movie is about honor. That's why you cried because guys, men, we're wired like this, right? We need this, this honor thing. And, and what the, you know, this, this guy, you know, um, Tom Cruise, you know, when he's there, I don't remember his name and everything, but, you know, what, what, what I know is that in his, you know, coming from America, you know, he, he didn't have any kind of honor. He didn't know what honor was. You know, he was a military guy. He was just a drunk. He didn't know what honor was. But he goes over there and he sees these Asians have a different idea of what honor is. And what I'm saying is we don't have to become Asian, but what we need to do, <laughs> we need to all become samurais. We don't need to do that. That would be pretty cool. But, you know, we don't need to do that, right? I'm just saying we have a samurai ministry. But anyway, um, you know, ultimately, what I'm saying is we need to come to the place where we are honoring. And you know, you know why we gain honor? It is because we understand the value God puts on people. That's what we learn to honor folks because we look at the way that the scriptures talk about this. And so let's look at what the word of God says here. The first thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. We honor God as we honor his appointed leaders. We honor God as we honor his appointed leaders. And when I'm talking about leaders, I'm talking about leadership in the church. And I want to say this before I move any further into this point. I hate talking about this, in this on this pulpit. I'm going to tell you why. Not because you don't honor anything like that, because I don't ever want you to think that I'm trying to toot my own horn. But because I have to preach through the scriptures, right, I got to talk about this. So we want to talk about it. Amen. I love to go preach this in other places because, you know, I'm not talking about me, right? So I, I, it's, it's a little nerve-wracking because I'm not with all that. You know, I remember when we first started Faith Dome um, in the beginning. We didn't even do um, a pastor appreciation, clergy appreciation, anything. And then Lizelle and Beth Quinones, they actually um, cornered me in my office after months. And they were like, listen, Bishop, this is what the Bible says. And I was like, all right, glory to God. And so, we, you know, we did that. So, you know, we accept that. But here's the thing that I want you to realize. When we talk about honoring God... When we talk about honoring him, we have to honor those that he puts in leadership. This is what the scripture says. So let's look at verses 12 and 13 here. He says, and we urge you. And so that urge, there's an urgency here. The apostle Paul is speaking to a church that he planted, that he ministered to. And now there are other elders in this church. There are other leaders in this church. And he's telling them something with urgency. He says, we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. And so notice there are three things that happen here. Number one is they labor. Number two, they are over you. Number three, they admonish you. And so we see that these are three characteristics that should be there. And, and here's what I want to say. Leadership within the body of Christ is not supposed to be a man-appointed role, but our God-ordained roles that are marked by these three things. And the first one is this, is that they labor. Say labor. They labor. They work hard, right? It's not like, you know, some people think that ministry is like a walk in the park. Like, that's the job you want. Like, you just want to chill there, right? Like, there's some people that they think, I mean, I, listen, I've heard, I'm not even going to get into the crazy stuff that I've heard, but here's what I want you to know. There are some people that think pastors only work on Sunday morning. That's it. This is the only day we work. That's it. You know, and this is not even work because we're just talking. Hello. 
It's okay to laugh. I, you know, it, 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 it's all right. I'm, I'm just saying. That's what a lot of people think, right? They think that, that that's the only time. But here's the thing. If you are really a minister of the word of God, if you're really a leader within the body of Christ, you are laboring. You are working hard. You are for sure. Let me, let, let, me, let, me, let me say it like this. The biggest and most important thing on my agenda every week is preparation for Sunday morning. That's for sure. You want to know why? Because that is the time that I get to speak to you, not on my own behalf, but I get to speak to you on behalf of God Almighty. That's very important to me. And so I spend time in prayer laboring over you, praying for you. I spend time in the Word of God for sure, but that's not the end of it. So there has to be labor that goes on, right? There has to be some counseling. There's some different stuff, training, raising up leaders, you know, preparing, planning, helping the ministry to move forward. Like all of those things are what's supposed to be happening. There should be some labor that is going on within the life of leadership. That's just the bottom line. Never, and, and, I, and I say this, let me just say this, because I know a lot of times, you know, folks are like, I don't want to bother you because you're too busy. Can I tell you something? I'm never too busy. You hear me? I'm never too busy, right? I may be busy, right? I may have stuff to do, but when you have a need, that is what I am here for, right? I want to serve in the best way that I can. The other leaders in the church are here to serve the best way that they can. And so never, don't ever think that we are too busy to be involved in your life, that you can't send someone a text or you can't call somebody up or you can't ask for a sit down and have a conversation. Those things are important to us. So the first thing is they have to be those who labor. The second thing is, they, he said this, he said, those who are over you say over you. Now, now, I want you to notice this because a lot of people don't want to hear this part, right? Like, they don't want to hear, like, like you hear a lot of people that don't like to go to church. They don't like to be in church. And, they, and they're like, well, you know, I, I don't believe in organized religion. Hello. Can I tell you something? Do you know who organized it? God is the organizer. Hello, somebody. He is the one who organized this. He is the one. Paul, the apostle, is saying those who are over you. And so God is the one who sets up the structure in the church that there are leaders. It doesn't mean that they are closer to God than you. Hello, somebody. Are you here? That's not what he's saying. He's not saying they're closer to God than you. He's talking about they're over you in a leadership role. They're there. What I, what, what I think about when I think about oversight or, or being over you is leadership by example. That's what it means. They're supposed to be leading the way. If I'm calling you to prayer, I better be praying. If I'm calling you to be in the Word, I better be in the Word of God. If I'm calling you to witness to others, I better be witnessing to others. If I'm calling you, you know, I'm married, right? So if I'm calling you to love your spouse, I better be loving my spouse. If I'm calling you to discipline your children, I better discipline my children. Like my children shouldn't be running around. Just forgive me, all right? My son's crazy, all right? And I already told you I'm working on him. But the point of the matter is that if y'all be around me long enough, you know that I'm not just sitting there letting my son just run ragged and crazy. No, no, no. I'm trying to help him to grow, you know. But here's the thing. If I am asking you to do something, I need to be doing it if it's within the scriptures. And, I, and, and, and that, that's what should be happening here. So I'm leading by example. I'm leading. I'm, I'm supposed to have the oversight. I, I'm over you, not just, not, just, not just for that, just for position's sake, but it's to help you grow in the faith. It's to help you grow. I'm supposed to be calling you higher in the Lord. That's, that's what's supposed to be happening with oversight, with the leadership within the body of Christ. And the third thing is that they are the ones that admonish you. Say admonish you. 
And so when he talks about admonishment, he's talking about those who instruct you in the Lord. And so weekly here, and if you go to classes with me and classes that I teach, those are the roles that I'm supposed to have, that the leadership is supposed to have, that we are admonishing you in the Lord from a preaching, teaching perspective, that we are supposed to be in a relational place within. Our Connect Life Groups, all of us, we call you to go and be part of Connect. Why? Because we're all part of Connect, not just because we just want to be there We know we want to have relationship, but we realize how important this is for the body of Christ. And so we're called to do those things. So those are the three things that should mark the leadership. So how are you supposed to? So the first word that he uses there, he says that you are supposed to recognize. Say recognize. That word recognize, I'm going to give you the definition, the best way that I understood it. It is relational respect. In one translation, it says to know them. And what he's saying is he's saying to have a relationship with them and to honor them in that relationship. That's, what that, that's the first thing that it says there. He goes on to say what else? How else are we supposed to deal with the leadership? And he says, and to esteem them. Say, esteem them. He just says to esteem them very highly. And so to esteem them, to think highly of them. You see, here's, here, here, here's what happens. I want you to know this. Every leader that I have ever known, right, that, that, that is honest about themselves will, will confess one thing, that we will all fail you. That's the reality. None of us are perfect, right? That, 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 that's, not, that, that's not there. But the truth of the matter is, is that we should be living a life of example. We should be admonishing you in the word of God to the degree that you should be able to esteem us highly. And if you can't esteem a leader highly, you need to have a conversation with that leader. Are you hearing me? If there's an issue that you cannot, because if something has happened that has is, that is hindered your perspective of them, You need to have a conversation because either A, they're in sin, or B, there needs to be some kind of conversation that's had so that way you guys can reconcile because there's a problem. But he says to esteem them very highly in love. Say in love. Esteem them highly in love. And so in other words, you care about them. You care about their well-being. And listen, every time that I ever say anything around here, I get like six six phone calls in in the week. And I'm okay with that. But I'm not saying that for your phone calls. But can I tell you something? Rarely. Rarely do I get a phone call or a text ever says, hey, Bishop, how you doing? Straight up. I'm being honest. I get texts. Hey, Bishop, can I talk to you? Hey, Bishop, can I get, hey, Bishop. I, I, I get all kind of texts. Trust me, my sister, I mean, my daughter, my sister. My daughter, she's always like, yeah, I'm, I'm looking that young. But anyway, um, my, my daughter, she's, all, she, you know, she, she's always like, Dad, I wish I was as popular as you. I was like, no, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. You know, we could, we'll come out of CrossFit or something like that, and I have like five, you know, ten texts or whatever, and, you know, and, and, if you, and, and if I'm in a group text somewhere, they're like blowing up or whatever the case is. But here's the thing. The thing is to care about your leaders. This is what the Scripture says. Esteem them highly in love. So can I just tell you something? I'm going to appreciate the texts or the calls or whatever that I'm going to get. I appreciate that. But can I just ask for one thing? Pray for me. That's the biggest thing. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not so concerned. I'm not, I listen, and, and I don't say this to be prideful at all. I'm not a needy guy. You know, I don't need, like, all the time, hey, how you doing, Bishop? I, you know, I, I look, I know you love me. I know you appreciate me. Can I just ask you something? Pray for me. That is, the, that, that is the biggest thing that you can do for me as a leader is that you can pray for me. And, and, and remember my birthday. Amen. I mean, just two, just two things. I'm just, let, 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 let me have one spiritual. Just, let me have just two things, right? Like pray for me consistently and remember my birthday. Anyway, let's move on from there, right? Glory to God, right? The, like those two things. I mean, just, you know, pray, Father, just keep him to his next birthday so I can be a blessing. I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. I'm joking. So esteem them highly in love. But why do you esteem them? Why do you esteem them? What, what, what does the scripture say? For their work's sake, say for their work's sake. For their work's sake. 
because of their labor, right? Because of their oversight, because of their admonishment. That's why you're supposed to do these things. That's what the scripture teaches us. And sadly, here, here, here's, here's, here's why this needs to be talked about in the church. Because sadly, there are two extremes with regards to honoring church leadership. One of them is worship, and the other one is dishonor. Two, two areas that we fall into within the church. One of them is worship of our pastors and leaders, which is very dangerous because when they fall, we all fall. See, when you, when you elevate a leader to a place where they do not deserve and do not belong, then when they fall, when they fail, something happens inside of you. Are you here? And so we're not supposed to worship our leaders. We are supposed to biblically honor our leaders. But then there's the other extreme, which is the dishonor. And when I say dishonor, where there is no honor, there is dishonor. Are you here? When there is no honor, when you don't regard, when you don't pray for, when you don't, you know, care about, when you don't esteem your leaders and when you don't know them in relational ways and respect, when you don't do that stuff, that's just a dishonor. So there is the dishonor side, which is, and again, I fell into that extreme, which it was, you know what, I don't want to be worshipped, and so, you know, we're not going to do anything that says anything good about the pastors. We're just going to continue to serve, but that's not what the Scriptures teach. And so now here's the thing. The Scripture doesn't say to have a day that you honor your leaders, and I I don't know who, who came up with that. It wasn't me. I know that for sure. It's been around a lot longer than I. But at the end of the day, someone does that so that way there is a time that we can reflect on because you know what? It's just like anything else. We forget about the labor. We forget about what people are doing. You know, I mean, think about it from, from a, parent, from a parent, parental perspective. How many parents have ever, like, worked hard and felt unappreciated? Come on, somebody. Parents, you could have said amen. You could have got up on a Holy Ghost hop right there. I'm just saying. Right? Like that was your moment. Amen, amen. Like raise the roof on. But the, the reality is, right, that, that our, our children in many situations, and I'm not calling you my kids, but in many situations, our children don't recognize how much we do for them. They don't realize that there is no magic thing that just keeps that refrigerator full. Hello? They, they, they don't realize that someone had to work so that way they could have hot water. Hello, somebody. Someone had to work so that way the lights could be on. Someone had to work for all those nice clothing. Hello, somebody. I'm just saying, like, those things had to, and, 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 and for us, right, like, I mean, like, like food. I mean, we have microwaves now, but, hey, still, someone got to push those buttons, glory to God. I'm just, right. But at the end of the day, we feel that way, and it's easy to forget. So I think someone came up with Mother's Day, right, Father's Day, right, a day just to reflect on how amazing, you know, dads are, amen, how amazing moms are, amen. And so we have these things that are in place for that. And so at the end of it all, what we have to do is we need to come to that place of balance, right? God calls us to biblically honor those he appoints to leadership within the church. Enough on that. Let's move on. Second thing here, say we honor God. As we honor his church. So the first thing we talk about is honoring leadership. We honor God through the way we honor leadership. The second thing is we honor God through the way that we honor his church. Look what he says in verse 14. He says, now we exhort you, right? Brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all, see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. And so the first way, we honor leadership. The second way is by honoring the church. Our interactions with one another is reflective of our relationship with God. Here's the deal. Maturing believers are called to action in relationship with the unruly, with the faint-hearted, with the weak, and for all. 
And so three people in particular that he points out, and one is a generalization. And so Paul says that we're supposed to deal with some people in the church. Say, in the church. In the church, there are people that, that are unruly. Say, unruly. What does that mean? That means out of order. Hello, somebody. That means people that are idle, right? The, one, 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 of the, one of the quotes that, that is so true is that an idle mind is the devil's playground. The reality is that when you are just idle, not doing anything, right, the, the, the enemy comes in and, and moves you out of order so you're not in alignment with the Scripture. And how does he say to deal with those who are unruly? Well, he says that those you're supposed to warn. Hello. You're supposed to communicate with those. And, and listen, this is honorable. This, this, now, now listen, this is not dishonoring. This is honoring. If I care about you and you are unruly, you are out of order, you are idle, you're not doing anything, you know, because what happened, remember, we're talking about end time encouragement. So what was happening with some of these people is they're like, Jesus is coming at any moment, so we're not going to work. We're just going to be around busybodying. Hello. And so what happens here is that we have this kind of mindset. And so what I, what, what I say is today, it's a little bit different. You know why? Because we're not sitting around. Everybody in here, you know, I think, you know, to my knowledge, is working, has a job, going to school. So you're doing some things. You're not sitting back like, okay, Jesus is going to come tomorrow. I have no goals in my life. That's not the truth, right? But the reality is we can still be idle. When it comes to church, when it comes to ministry, we can be idle. We can be doing nothing and just sitting around and, we just, and, and, and we're just critiquing everything. Hello. We look at everything from that perspective. And so the reality is, he said, to warn those. The second group that he talks about is those who are faint-hearted. Say faint-hearted. Those are people that are fear or they have doubts or they lack passion, right? Those are people that are struggling to just move forward in their faith. And he tells, and, he, and what, what, is, what does he tell us to do for those who are faint-hearted? He says to comfort them. He says to come beside them. He says to encourage them as they're going through the difficulties of their life, as they're going through trials that they don't want to continue in, that they don't want to move forward, that they want to just hang up the towel. He says to comfort those people. And then he talks about those who are weak. Say weak. So those who are weak among us, he says we're supposed to do what? He says we're supposed to uphold them, right? We're supposed to support them. That's what we're supposed to do with them. And then he goes on to say that we're supposed to be what? When he's talking about weak, he's saying those who are spiritually weak, those who are lacking in their spiritual lives that we're supposed to come by. We're supposed to encourage their faith. We're supposed to build them up. That's what he tells us to do here. And you know what happens? It's really, it's really easy for us sometimes to just say, man, you know what? They're going to be like that forever. We're just not even going to worry about them. You know, they're always going to be faint-hearted. They ne you know, they're never getting out of that situation. It's easy to just write people off. But can I tell you something? You know what he says at the end? He says, be patient with all. So you know what? That unruly knucklehead, hello, that weak person that is weak spiritually, that never seems to, you know, understand, you know, as, as, as I'm in worship here today, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, the goodness of God. But then also, you know, in, in, in my mind, you know, I'm thinking about sin. And, and, and God is just showing me and reminding me of how gracious he is, right, and, and how merciful he is. And some people, listen, some people just struggle. They struggle. They, they, they do one thing that they think is really big, and they're stuck there forever. What does he tell us to do? Be patient with them. Be patient with them. Come by. Support them. Encourage them. He says not to return evil for evil. Don't do that. Listen, you're going to be wrong. You know that, right? Even by good Christian folk. Hello, somebody. 
Even by those that love Jesus and call on Jesus, they're going to do you wrong. You're going to be hurt. You're going to be offended. And you know what what the apostle says? He says, don't return evil for evil. He says, don't do that. He says, do not return evil for evil. He says, but always pursue what is good good, good both for yourselves and for all. And so looking at that, so what is he talking about? What's good for all of us? Forgiveness, is it not? To forgive when we are done wrong, when we are hurt, when people talk about us behind our back. Hello, somebody. You know that happens sometimes, right? Sometimes, just sometimes. It's once in a while, you know. People talk behind your back. And, 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 and you know what's sad? When, you, know, you know what's the worst thing about people talking behind your back? I don't know why people think this, but they do. I don't know why they think you're never going to hear about it. <laughs> I don't, I don't, listen, I don't care how many times you say, hey, don't tell no one. Listen, don't say anything, okay? I I want you to know, whenever you talk behind someone's back, somehow, somehow that little blue bird always comes back. Hello, somebody. Right? Somehow those words come back and and that person finds out. And you know what's the worst thing? Can I tell you what's even worse about it? Whenever you hear it, it is always, always, almost always twisted in some way. Hello. Right? Something was left out, something was, something was added, right? Because of what? Because I'm listening to you, right? And typically, can I tell you something? And, and I'm going to just say this right now. I, I wish that I could confess and say that I've never talked behind someone's back. I'd be lying to say that. But what I can say is that if I ever talk about you behind your back, know this, we're going to have a conversation, you and I. I'm just saying. Not because I'm so amazing, but because I know it's going to get back to you, and I want to make sure you hear it from me. Hello. Right? And so here's what happens. We have this conversation, and when, and when we're talking behind someone's back, we're usually animated. Hello. We're usually emotional, right? We're depressed. We're angry. Whatever it is that we are, and all of that is coming through the conversation. So you know what that person is hearing? The same thing anyone else hears. They're hearing your words, but they're looking at your body language. They're seeing how upset you were about the situation. And then they try to bring it to the other person when they come to them, all concerned because they know you need to have a conversation. Hello. The very holy people, very holy people. That's how that stuff gets back. Glory to God. Very holy, right? Trying to reconcile relationships. Can I tell you something? Let, 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 let me liberate you right now from talking behind people's back and trying to keep secrets. When someone comes and talks to you, right, and is telling you about someone else, you know what you need to tell them before they walk away? You need to tell them, listen, I appreciate you telling me that, and I'm going to pray for you, but I want you to know I'm going to have to let them know we had this conversation. Well, y'all didn't like that. Hold up, Bishop, can I confide? Hold on, hold on, time out, time out, time out now. What I'm saying is, how about this? I, I, I'll fix it, I'll fix it. You, you'll like this better. Preface the conversation with, listen, anything you say to me is going back to them, glory to God. I'm just saying, right? You don't like that either. Whatever, listen. The thing is this. You need to not let people gossip to you. This is what I'm trying to communicate. If we are going to honor one another, if we are going to be honorable people, my point is this. It is that you need to make sure that no one thinks that you are the dumping ground for all of their garbage. Hello, somebody. That they can just come to you with all of that stuff and dump it on you and just leave it there. Hold on a second. We need to have some reconciling conversations, somebody. We need to communicate. Here, I'll fix it. Y'all don't like this one. This, this, this is my favorite one. This is my favorite one. Y'all like this one. Maybe. I don't know. Y'all don't like the other two, but listen, you might like this one. Listen, I appreciate you telling me this. I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to get back with you in about a week or two. 
And if you haven't had a conversation by then, you and I are going to go have a conversation. You like that, that one better? I like that better? Amen. Right, y'all like, yeah, I like that one. So let's go for number three, all right? You take three, you take C, right? A, B, C, we'll take C. Y'all take C. You can do. I like B personally, you know, because people try to come to the pastor and be like, hey, I got to tell you something confidential. Time out. I'm not a priest. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. I am not a priest. This is not confession. You came to the wrong place. I'm just saying, right? It's not. And listen, I'm not spreading your stuff out there because some of y'all have told me stuff and you know nobody knows. It's not like that. But what I am saying is that if you come and you have a conversation that, is, that, that needs to be had, like with someone else, you can't come and just drop that stuff on someone. I'm just saying, like, you gotta, we got to make people be proactive because that is doing what? That is seeking what is good both for yourselves and for all. You want real, right relationships, right? So, important for us to have that. And here's the thing I want you to realize is that he says at the end of the first part there, he says, be at peace among yourselves in verse 13. And what I want you to know is that we cannot be at peace without patiently warning the unruly, comforting the faint-hearted, and supporting the weak. And listen, a heart seeking to honor God will strive to honor those who are now family. Did you hear that? A heart that is truly seeking to honor God is going to strive to honor those who are now family. Too many professing believers have disconnected or disengaged from growing together in love. If we are, only, if we are not seeking the good of others within the body, we are disobeying God's command. Do you hear that? If we are just doing our own thing, if we're just being our own Christian in our own little bubble of Christianity and we don't care about others, we are disobeying God's word. Listen, you need to encourage your brothers. You know, there's brothers and sisters in here that they're not part of Connect Life groups, that they don't do anything except come to church once in a while. And you know what you need to do? You need to be a voice into their life. You need to make sure that they know, hey, man, you know, you need to, you need to connect with the body. You need to connect with with. with, with with people of God. You know, I was having a conversation with a guy yesterday, and, you know, he was telling me, you know, we were talking about um, him. He was, he was recently baptized. And uh, I was like, okay, so, and I was like, all right, so he's telling me about that. And we were talking about me being a pastor, and he was like, yes. I said, so, man, what church do you go to? And he's like, man, I'm drawing a blank. He said, I can't believe it. So he's like, oh, it's this church. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, that's cool, man. I'm like, so that's your church? And he's like, yeah, I haven't been there in like two months. He said, but that's my church. The whole time we're having this conversation about him, and, and he's like, but, you know, I realize how important it is to be part of the body and, and, and this and that. And I'm like, okay. And, and so my whole, my whole thing is this, is that people are at different places in their lives. And you know what we need? We need brothers and sisters to come beside us and help us to grow, right? So what did I do? I didn't go and bash him and say, dude, you were all so excited about getting baptized. You don't even know the name of your church, and you ain't been there in two months. Like, what kind of Christian are you? Right? That, that could have been what I did. Some of y'all were thinking that. I know that's what y'all were thinking. But anyway, I thought that. But then I had to think, okay, don't be so judgmental at this moment, right? And so how do you encourage this brother? Well, you encourage him by saying, hey, man, you know, it is, it is so important to be part of the body of Christ. It's so important to be connected with brothers and sisters. And so I tell him what I tell you guys all the time, man, it's easy to be a Christian by yourself. It's a little bit more difficult when you start hanging out with other people. Because let me tell you something, in the mirror, you look great, glory to God. Sometimes, I'm just saying. Like, you think you look good. Like, sometimes I think I look good, and then I come and ask my daughter, and she's like, nah, dad. I'm like, what? I'm like, are you serious right now? Like, I'm, I'm like, nah. And sometimes I ignore her. Other times I go change. But the bottom line is, right, the bottom line is what? Is that it's easy for me to be holy by myself. But when I get around other people and, you know, their unholiness comes out. It ain't your unholiness. Their unholiness comes out. 
You know, all of a sudden you know what to pray for. No. <laughs> right? You start to see some things that, that are unholy in yourself, and you're able to grow, and you're able to encourage one another. And so it is very important that we are honoring the church. The third thing, say this with me, say, we honor God as we honor his Spirit's work in our lives. We honor God as we honor his Spirit's work in our lives. So as we honor appointed church leadership and one another, we honor God indirectly, right? But we honor God directly in our attitudes toward and our responsiveness to his Spirit's work in our lives. So look at the rest of this, this portion of Scripture here. He says in verse 16, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Again, this is the second time in this book that we have seen the will of God clearly written out for us. So if there's any question about what God's will is, again, we can turn to these scriptures. And he says, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And so again, I will say it. We honor God as we honor his spirit work in our lives. Our attitude toward God's spirit in our lives should be that of what? Rejoicing, praying. He said there, rejoice, pray, and giving thanks. That should be the attitude of God's work in our lives. It should always be that, that we are always rejoicing, right? That we are praying without ceasing. This is what the scripture says, and that in everything we are giving thanks. I want to just point out something on the in everything. He didn't say for everything, he said, in everything. They're, they're, listen, you, you, you don't, you, I, I mean, some of you may, but you're typically not going to just thank God and be like, you know, God, I just thank you for getting fired. Hello. I just thank you that I lost my job. I thank you that I got a bad report from the doctor, right? Like, that's not what the Scripture is saying. The Scripture is saying that in those situations, God, I give you thanks because you're still good. God, I give you thanks because although I got let go, I know you are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, my provider. I give you thanks. I give you thanks that even though the doctor said whatever he said, I know that you are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. And I know this, that if you choose not to heal me, that you're going to walk with me through whatever I'm going through. I, I give thanks for, for that. I give thanks in my situation for who you are. But that is the attitude that we have to have when it comes toward the Spirit's work in our life. Because can I tell you something? In the midst of the good, in the midst of the bad, in the midst of the ugly, in the midst of it all, the Spirit of God is at work within us. And the next thing he says, he says what? He says, quench not the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. The Spirit is working in your life. But if you're a person who is not rejoicing, hello. He didn't say feel joy. That isn't what it said. It didn't say that. It says to rejoice, the act of rejoicing. Rejoice always, what he said, always. No matter what, we're supposed to rejoice. He says pray without ceasing. Why? Because no matter what we're going through, we should be praying and seeking God's wisdom, seeking God's grace, having an attitude of continual prayer. This doesn't mean that I walk around, my eyes closed, my ears closed, and I'm just talking directly to God every moment of my life. That is impossible. It is talking about an attitude of continual dependence and communion 
with God. And I do that through what? Through rejoicing in him. And listen, there are moments that we can rejoice more than others. Hello, somebody. There, there, there are moments that it's easier to pray than others. That's the reality. And there are moments that it is easier to give thanks than others. But nonetheless, here's what I want you to realize. That when you cease to rejoice, when you cease to pray, when you cease to give him thanks, you are quenching the spirit in your life. Are you here? This is what he's saying. He says, do not quench the spirit. So what does it mean when he talks about not quenching the spirit? When he talks about quenching, it means to extinguish the fire, to cause a fervent activity to cease in our lives. That's what he means by quenching the spirit. Do not quench the spirit. Don't, don't, don't extinguish what the spirit of God is doing in your heart. Don't allow circumstances in your life to hinder you from allowing the spirit to continue to move in your life. Because the reality is, and I know this, listen, firsthand, there are times that, man, I can grieve the Holy Spirit. I can quench the spirit's work in my life. Like when the Lord is trying to lead me to communicate with someone and I decide that I'm not going to do that, you know what I'm doing? I'm quenching the Spirit. When I should be going into to, to that time of prayer and that separated time to God. See, sometimes I don't need to talk to anyone else about someone. I need to talk to God because the beauty of it is this. Anything you say to God is between you and him. Hello. I'm just saying, unless he decides to reveal it to someone, and typically it's not like that because what? Because he is dealing with you, and so he wants you to be dealt with. He doesn't want you to quench the Spirit. How else do we quench the Spirit of God? Well, if you look at these verses here, obviously there's tons of ways we can do this, but if we just use these verses, the way that we quench the Spirit is, look, when we do not, when, when we despise prophecies, are you here? When we despise prophecies, listen, we live in a day and age within the church, right? There's a lot of argument about doctrinal stuff. You know, does God still speak today? And I am, and I am firmly, 100%, listen, let me say it to you like this. I wouldn't be standing here today if God didn't still speak today. Are you here? No, you, you didn't get that. I wouldn't be standing here today if God didn't speak to us. I wasn't sitting down. I want you to get this. I was not sitting down reading a Bible and God spoke to me. That isn't it. I want you to understand that through, I mean, I, I, can't, I, I won't even get into all of the details, but through all kinds of different ways, God was speaking to me. And the night that I got saved, I heard, listen to me when I say, I heard heard the voice of the Lord clearly say, you have come this far. Are you going to stop now? You know how I know that was the voice of the Lord? Because the Bible says what? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And I never had that kind of fear come over me until I heard that voice. Are you here? When that it, it wasn't some voice that led me astray. It wasn't some voice that led me away from the Word of God. And then my mother, who was graciously used by the Lord that night, she began to read the Scriptures, and I began to weep and weep, and glory to God. But you know what? My mom stopped reading the Bible at some point, and then she started to minister to me prophetically. Do not despise prophecies. She started to speak to me under the inspiration of God. And as she was speaking, she was saying things that nobody knew except God. Like, hey, he hears you when you pray at night. He, my mom didn't hear me pray at night. Hello. My mom knew I was a heathen. That's what she was praying for me every night, glory to God. Praying that I wake up the next day, have a chance to repent. I'm just saying. But nobody knew that kind of stuff about me. But God Almighty did. And so here's what I want you to realize is that you have two groups. You have one group that is like, you know, well, God only speaks. He only speaks through the Bible. Listen, I want you to know this. I firmly believe 90% of the time God is going to speak to you. I would even go, go as far as to say probably like 99% of the time, right? Like, I mean, most of the time God is going to speak to you through the Scriptures for sure. This is the only sure, hear me, 
standard by which we measure anything that God says to us. And so when God speaks, if God is, if God is speaking to someone and that someone is speaking out of context, no, 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 that's not God. That may be an adjustment. I don't know what it was. It might have been a bad meal. It might have been some high emotions. It could have been whatever. But here's what it is not. It is not God speaking. If someone hears God speaking to them and it is something that is contrary to the word of God, it is not God's word. Are you here? This, this is so very important because when I say that I firmly believe that God speaks today, I want to also throw in there that I firmly believe that God will always speak in line with his character and what he has already revealed in the scriptures. That's the bottom line. That is how God is going to speak. And let me say this too. There are some people, listen, when you say God is speaking to you through this Bible, you better make sure he's speaking to you in context. Hello. Are y'all ain't hearing me? Don't, don't, don't just pull out a scripture and be like, well, God said this, and, and, and you're just all out of context. Hello. That's problematic, right? That's an issue. I told you all about the dude that I was having the conversation with the other day, and he was going back and forth. He kept proof texting, proof texting, proof texting, telling me this is sinful. I'm like, dude, you are proof texting. You're trying to make a point. And, and it was terrible proof texting anyway. It wasn't even like clear. It was just like bad. But nonetheless, this is what people do, right? And so God speaks for sure. God communicates. But you know what he says here? He says, do not despise. You know what that word despise means? He says, to make of no account, to despise someone or something on the, basis, on the basis of what is worthless or of no value. Let me, let me give you an example of despising prophecy. There's a, I've, I've had this conversation with multiple people. And I remember, you know, um, you know, one guy comes up to me, and we were talking one day, and we are just talking about the Word of God, and he said that someone came up to him in church on Sunday and said, hey, man, you know, I have, I, have a, I have a word for you, you know, from the Lord. And the guy stopped the person and said, listen, if God wants to speak to me, he can speak to me directly. So that is called despising prophecy. That is calling making of no value when someone comes and says, man, you know, I feel like God spoke to me. You know, you know what you do when someone says, I feel like the Lord spoke to me? This is what you do. You say, well, tell me what, what, what you feel the Lord spoke to you. And listen, sometimes, like immediately, you know that it's God, right? Sometimes it's like, yep, that's the Lord. And sometimes you know immediately that's not God. And can I tell you something? You need to be honest with that brother, that sister that's before you. When they come and they tell you something that you know is God and encourage them and say, amen, that's the Lord. When they come to you and they say something that is not God, you need to say, listen, I love you, but I want you to know that is not God. Why is that? Because you're helping them grow in their understanding of when God is speaking to them when he is not. Don't, don't walk away saying, man, I'm going to pray on that. Don't walk away and say that. <laughs> don't say that. Do not say that. Let them know. And then there are times that it's something that you're not 100% sure. It doesn't sound like, you know, it, it could be something like God is calling you to do something, ministry or something like that, and you're just like not sure if that is God. You know, it can be something in your life that you're just not 100%. You're not, man, that may be God, that might not be God. And you know what, in those moments you say, you know what, I'm not sure about that. I'm going to pray on that. And you walk away and you pray on it. You don't despise it because what is he? The next thing that he says here, look at how he says this. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecy. He says, test all things. Say, test all things. Saying, test all things, right? When it comes to this, you know, quenching the spirit, right? Test all things. Is this the spirit of God or is this his emotion? Right? When someone comes and they have a prophecy, now listen, when you use the word prophecy, that word is the plural word, you know, prophetia in the Greek. And so that's what he's talking about. He's not talking about the prophecies of Scripture. He's talking about prophetic utterances that come through people. That's what he's dealing with here. 
So what do you do? You test it all. How do you test it? Well, I just told you, you test it through the word of God. You test it because you know, I mean, the, the, the Bible shows us that there's a witness inside of us. And so when someone is saying that something is from the Lord, man, you need to know. I mean, is that witness there? If it's not there, then there's a problem, right? There can be something that's off in that situation. Test all things. But he goes on to say what? He says to hold on or hold fast what is good. Hold fast what is good. See, when I hold fast to what is good, when I reject what is evil, the next thing that he says what? He says abstain from every form of evil. Stay away from all of that. And so I test all things. I don't quench the spirit. But when I'm not abstaining from sin, then guess what? I'm quenching the spirit. Hello? When I'm not staying away from unrighteousness, I am quenching the spirit of God. I am dishonoring the spirit of God's movement. Y'all know that God wants to liberate you from your sin. Amen? Not just on the cross, not just in a, in, in a penalized way. God really wants us to walk in freedom from sin. Jesus' work on the cross for sure in a justification way before God is good. But I want you to know the work of the Spirit is just as good and operative in our lives. And we can walk in freedom from sin. We may not walk in perfection, but we don't have to walk in bondage to sin. This is a reality. But when we do that, when we don't abstain from sinfulness, when we are not testing all things, when we despise prophecies, when we are doing those types of things, we are quenching the work of the Spirit. And here's what I want you to realize. It is impossible to live a God-honoring life without the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. Are you here? It's impossible. We can't, listen, anything that I, that I preach from this pulpit, anything that the Word of God demands of you, you and I cannot accomplish without the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the Spirit of God working in our lives. We sing one song, it talks about the Holy Spirit and us being more sensitive. You know, I want to be more sensitive to your presence. I want to be more sensitive to what you're doing. That's what we need to be praying for. God, let me be more sensitive to your work in my, in, in my life. Let me be more sensitive to what you are doing in me that I may grow in the grace and knowledge of who you are and I may live a life that brings honor to you. So my question for you is this. Where have you not been honoring God in your life? I want you to think about that. We talked about honoring God through his spirit. We talked about honoring God by honoring our brothers and sisters. We talked about honoring God by honoring the leadership that he has placed in our lives in the church so there may be other areas in your life. Where is it that you are not honoring God? In your personal relationships? Maybe it's at work that you're not honoring God. Where is it in your life that you are not honoring him? Because here, here's, here's what I want you to realize. You may be honoring God in like 10 areas, but what I want you to know is that if you're not honoring God in one, God wants you to honor him in that one. Don't see, see for us, this is what we think. I don't, I don't know why we think this, but here's what we think. We think, well, you know what, if... If I am honoring God in most areas, then I'm okay. If I'm honoring God in most areas, then I'm all good, right? You know, there's just that one area that I need to deal with. There's just that one area that I need to address in my life. There's just that one area, but you know what? I'm good in all these other areas. Can I tell you something? I, I remember youth pastoring, and I remember one night we were in a time of worship, and as we were in that time of worship, I, I, I remember seeing like, you know, I could see like a white shirt and just one spot on that white shirt. And I said, you know, God is seeing that one spot in your heart that needs to be dealt with. We think about this. 
You know, walking around in a white shirt, right? How many of y'all worn a white shirt before? And I mean, that's, that's like the, the, worst, the worst thing ever, you know, when you wear a white shirt in that one spot, right? And, you know, that one spot always seems to be like right there, right? It's like right there in the middle. It couldn't have been like on the side here. It had to be like right there, like somewhere that's completely obvious to everyone. So we guard, amen? I'm just saying, if you're wearing white today, right? I'm just saying, like you guard against that. The reason for the picture of white is because God is holy, and God calls us to be holy as he is holy. He clothes us in robes of righteousness, right? There's going to be a day that we're going to stand before him, and there's no spots. Hello, somebody. But today, while we are here on this earth, we may look holy to everyone else, but you know what? That spot is what God sees that needs to be dealt with in your life. And so what area in your life are you not honoring him? What area? What area is, is it that God is saying, I want you to honor me here? I don't know what that is, but you do. And so today is the opportunity for you to humble yourself before God and say, God, I want to honor you. I want to honor you with all of my life, not just not 90% of my life, not 99% of my life, not 99.9% of my life, but I want to honor you 100% with all of my life. And so the question is, if there's an area that you know that God is calling you to honor him, will you respond to him today and say, God, yes, here I am. I want to honor you. I recognize that I'm not honoring you. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and bow your heads with me, please. Think about that. Where is it that the Lord is calling you to honor him? <clears throat> I want you to think about that one spot. Think about that one area. And it may be more than one area. Your shirt may be filthy. grace is sufficient for the one spot or the hundred spots. The question is, will you respond? And so I'll ask you this. I'm not going to ask you to come forward today. I just want to pray with you. But if you say, God, there's an area that I need to deal with today, and today I just want to respond to you and say, Lord, here I am. I just want to see you raise your hand where you're at so I can pray with you. I know I'm praying for you. See the hand? I see the hands. your neighbor's hand if you can. I want us to pray together. Father, today we come to you, Lord God, as your sons and as your daughters. And Lord, we acknowledge today, Lord God, that you have called us to be God-honoring, Lord. You've called us to honor you with all areas of our lives, not just some areas, but all areas. You've called us to honor you with our intentions. You've called us to honor you with our attitudes. You've called us to honor you with all of our being. And so, Lord, we come to you today and we humble ourselves in your presence. And we pray, Spirit of God, that you would address that area or those areas in our lives where we are not honoring you, Lord. 
We pray today that you would open our eyes, that we would be able to see what your spirit is doing, my God, that we would be able to acknowledge it, that we would be sensitive unto it, Lord God. Let your spirit move, Lord, within our hearts. Let your spirit take control, Lord God, of those areas that we have been holding back, my God. Father, those areas where there may be hurt, there may be discomfort, Lord God, calling us to faith, where you're calling us to obedience. Lord God, let us today respond. Lord, you've seen every hand that went up in this building today. And so, Lord God, many of us come together saying, Father, help us to honor you today. Help us to honor you with our lives. Help us to honor you with our attitudes. Help us to honor you, Lord God, with everything that we do. May we bring honor and glory unto you, God. Father, today, Lord God, be glorified in us. Today, Lord God, have your way in our hearts. Father, we thank you for this.